Once again, thanks for streaming with us today. And uh, my wife will be back next week. So we will be asking her questions about her journey going through heart surgery. So we pray that through the words, you will yearn to increase in the knowledge of God and realize that you are known, you are valued, and you are loved by him even before you were born. Now, when I, when I say that uh, the tale of two stones, it's referring to two incidents in the Bible where there were stonings involved. You know, one stoning was going to be of the woman that was caught in adultery. The other stoning was going to be a deacon that was going to be stoned. So and the difference is, and the, and the message is basically about presenting the truth. The difference is, is that with the woman caught in adultery. It's going to be found in John 8, 1 through 9. So let me pull that up. It says here, and I'm reading from a uh, the Berean study Bible. It says, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives early in the morning. He went back into the temple courts. All the people came to him and he sat down to teach them. The scribes and Pharisees, however, brought to him a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before them and said, teacher, this woman was caught in, a, in the act of adultery and the law of Moses commands us to stone such a woman. So what do you say? They said this, as is written, to test him in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and began to write on the ground with his finger. When they continued to question him, he straightened up and said to them, let him who is without sin among you, be the first to cast a stone at her. And again, he bent down and wrote on the ground. When they heard this, they began to go away one by one, beginning with the older ones until only Jesus was left with the woman standing there. He goes through a, a talks to the lady and everything, but I want to stay focused on... Um, how he handles these these stoners. And according to the law, as they said, she's supposed to be stoned. But Jesus gives them a a question. He, he, he basically gives them, proposed them a truth that they had to reflect on. And then they had to respond to. Let him who is without sin among you be the first to cast a stone at her. And they responded to the truth by walking away. So that's one way that truth is presented and people respond in a way that will allow them to be healed or set free from what they're about to do. And so the second stoning is Stephen, Acts 7. He goes straight from the history of the Hebrew people coming out of Egypt and everything like that. And he goes up to the point where now he talks about Jesus being crucified by them. He points the finger at them. And this is where he starts at. He says in 51, he says, you stiff necked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears. You always resist the Holy Spirit, just as your fathers did. Which of the prophets did your father fail to persecute? They even killed those who foretold the coming of the righteous one. And now you are his betrayers and murderers. You who have received the law ordained by angels yet have not kept it. 
On hearing this, the members of the Sanhedrins were enraged and they gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looks intently into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this, they covered their ears, cried out in a loud voice and rushed together at him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. Yep, that's Saul who changed his name to Paul. While they were stoning him, Stephen appealed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Falling on his knees, he cried out in a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. So you see that there's a truth that was presented to the group of people that was with uh, Stephen. And they didn't do well with that truth. Um, it led to the death of Stephen. So now we have two stoning. One woman, she came out on top because men responded to, her accusers responded to her in a different way when they heard that truth. And then when Stephen gives his truth, it doesn't go that well. But this is the situation we're in. When truth is presented to us, however it's presented to us, how will we respond to that truth? There are people that if you say something about things that they're doing that's contrary to what they should be doing, they'll say, you know, I'm not perfect and you're not perfect and don't judge me. We have that mentality. But it comes down to if you're doing something contrary to what God says to do, then what are you doing? You're being offended by that truth. You are cursing that person. You're denying that person. You're separating yourself from that person because you don't want to handle the truth. So we as believers, to my believer brothers and sisters out there, we have to respond to truth in a way that is responding to the one we serve, the one we declare, the one we say we are Christians. Then we need to be as Christians. Now we have these two truths, two responses to truth. And, um, and, Second Timothy four, three through four, Paul paints us a picture of the latter times. And he basically says people will try to redefine truth so much so that many believers will run towards man's definition of truth and be offended by God's truth. And so when truth is presented, people will say in, in, in order to, to distance themselves from that God given truth, they will run towards people that has a different definition, a definition that they feel more comfortable with and embrace that and deny the truth of God. So as we see from Stephen's encounter of presenting the truth, truth can be a big pill for some people to receive. Some try to take it down without water and it makes the pill harder to swallow. And oftentimes it gets caught in the throat or they throw that sucker right back up, right? While others, when they hear the truth, they take it with water. And I'm I'm, I'm, I'm going to look at this from a spiritual perspective, that water being the Holy Spirit will be there to allow that pill to go down smoother, which brings about the healing that is needed in the era in which it was directed at to be healed. Now, I'll give you an example. I had a personal um, example of this. Uh, one day I was I was praying in my quiet time and the Lord had spoke to me um, by the spirit. Um, I was asking them about, about sharing the faith. You know, I was asking about, you know, what do I need to do? How I need to do it? I mean, I'm just really into sharing the faith, man. If he died for me, why won't I share 
that faith. You know, I don't have a problem sharing about Jesus, but it's just the, the aesthetics of it. I'm an analyzer. So I'm thinking about hows and what and how to get around and get over this and how to make this thing like that. And so I'm thinking about all these things and the Holy Spirit was telling me, and, and I'm not going to go through all of it, but I had to write it down because it was a, it, it, it touched me. It was a truth that I needed to hear in order for it to heal where I needed for it to heal. Um, he said, one of my problems with sharing the gospel was that I didn't want to make people uncomfortable. So I would take some of the uncomfortable words about the gospel and try to make them less offensive to the hearer of the word. And so you may be that type of person that, you know, the certain words you think, wow, they, they really going to uh, respond to that word all kind of crazy. And let me see if I can make this smooth, make this more loving, more peaceful. And, um, and so, and, and let me give you, for instance, there is sin. That's a difficult word. Sin. People don't want sin. Well, you think I'm a sinner. Um, another one is repent. You know, repent means I'm going to do something differently. I got to follow some rules and regulations. People don't like to hear that word repent, even on this part right here, which people don't really think about, but I want you to think about it. Jesus. So Jesus becomes this this standard in which we are able to define if a person wants to be led by the spirit of truth, as John talks about in uh, first, I think it's first John, or that person wants to be led by the spirit of error. So when we talk about Jesus, we can decide whether this person is going to be warmed up, tenderhearted towards the spirit of God, sharing the gospel of God. Or they're going to be resistance to the gospel in the name of Jesus Christ. Those are the things that the spirit was showing me about myself. Now, this is a hard truth, but I welcomed it because I asked God, teach me, make me a disciple, make me a, a fisher of men. Teach me how to be a fisher of men. Now, if I'm asking God to make me a fisher of men, teach me how to be a fisher of men. And he tells me this. Why would I be mad about this truth? Because it's something that I asked for and I pray for. And it's the desires of his heart is that no man perish, but all to come into the knowledge of the truth or come unto repentance. So I'm just I'm just receiving from him an answer to my prayer. So I receive it. Um, but it was really hard. Because when I do that, when I try to make things nice and smooth and, and pleasant and, and trying to avoid those offensive words is that I have told him that I don't, I'm not his disciple. And, and somebody said, well, what do you mean? And the reason why I wasn't being his disciple was I was more concerned about me and others that it showed that I, I showed that I loved Christ less. When Jesus was talking about, um, I think it's in Luke, Luke 14, 26 to 27. And this is really hard for some people to to grab grab hold of. All right. So he gives these words and he's having this dialogue with people that's around him. He says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father, his mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And I know people say, what? Hate? He does not hate his father and mother. That's basically saying love less, which means saying that you need to love me more and love them less. Whosoever does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciples. And when I when he when he shared that with me, when the Holy Spirit gave that to me, I saw myself looking at it from that perspective of I'm trying to make this comfortable. I'm trying to make it nice and pleasant. And what the disciples did 
were they spoke the word of God. Sin was not void in their conversations when they talked about Jesus. They spoke the name of Jesus. They spoke about repentance and they spoke about sin from John all the way to disciples and everybody after. These are the things that they spoke about. So by me trying to alter that, me trying to change my verbiage of the gospel, because the gospel is about sinners. The gospel is about repentance and the gospel is all about Jesus. And so when I avoid those, those, those words, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm basically avoiding the story that Christ desires for us to preach to the world. And so I loved Christ less and I loved my ability and I should not have. I should speak the gospel as the gospel tells us to speak the gospel, as Christ tells us to speak the gospel. The Spirit gave me, gave me a biblical example of what he was trying to convey to me. Now it says, the disciples before the resurrection and the disciples after the resurrection. And we can see that there is a difference in how the disciples were before the resurrection and then after the resurrection. So before they loved their life more than Christ. So they ran and they denied them and they went into hiding. They wasn't willing to put themselves out there because they were more concerned with their well-being, their life. Afterwards, they fully understood the resurrection. They got to see him resurrect. They got to see him go up to heaven and the power that comes with it. And they got baptized by the Holy Spirit. And that did something in them because then they loved not their lives. As it says in Revelation 12, 11, they loved not their lives unto death. Now we need to present the gospel unwashed. And that's what the Holy Spirit was telling me that don't be afraid to say sin, repentance, Jesus name, because that's what the gospel is all about. My job is not to make people comfortable or uncomfortable. My job as a Christian, as Christians, our job is to present the gospel the way Christ gave us the gospel. And so from, from that perspective, we have to be people that are willing to, to basically, like Jesus says, he says, I am this cornerstone. There'll be some people that, uh, that fall on me that will be broken. But then if I fall on them, I'm going to grind them up. This truth that we receive from the word of God and, and to change, I'm going to fall on this truth and be broken so that I might be healed versus allowing the stone to fall on them. Just like with the Stephen crew, though, he said, don't hold this to their account. There's still a, a recompense to our actions of resisting the truth. I chose to fall on the cornerstone. I chose to be broken. And in my brokenness, I will be made whole and we can be made whole by hearing the truth. So we as as believers uh, need to really understand about truth from this perspective that the truth will will allow us to become enemies to friends, to family, to people of high regard, people that we respect, people that we walk with. When we present the truth by telling the truth. There's the adamant ability to think or even respond that, man, I love this person. I really tr truly love this person. But if I present the truth to them, they're going to disrespect me or not even disrespect me, but walk away and they won't be in my life anymore because they don't want to hear a truth that they need for healing. Going to be based on how they're going to respond to it. And God knows. And another deciding factor is the standard here is that when we present the truth, we get to know. 
we get to know if a person is, is following after the spirit of truth or the spirit of error. It says in 1 John 4, 6, it says that um, the person who knows God hears his truth. They who don't hear God's truth is not of God. So that's something in the mix of you're a Christian and you're hearing this truth and you are stoning your brother and your sister preventing this truth. And of course, I want to emphasize that truth should come forth and be based from love, not from a critical heart, but a loving heart. We need to honor that and respect that and do the same thing as Christ would. So and so you can kind of gauge whether your conversation is going to go anywhere. You can gauge and see if God is moving in that conversation or he's not moving in that conversation based on how they respond to your words, based how they respond to sin, how they respond to repentance. And more importantly, how they respond to Jesus will dictate to you or to us why or who this person is one to follow. And then there's the aspect of, of what truth is. You know, the final words that I have here is that I got a bunch of verses here that talks about truth, that true worshipers must worship God in spirit and truth. So if you're a true worshiper and somebody presents truth to you, you should be all in. Sometimes truth hurts, yes, but we can drop our stones and move on. Drop our stones and move on so that we might receive healing. Love rejoices in truth. So if you're not loving the truth that somebody gives to you about things that's happening in your life, that's contrary to the word of God. Listen, when somebody comes with truth, and I'm not talking about somebody that's just trying to be judgmental and critical. I'm talking about legitimate people that you've walked with all your life or you spent a lot of time and you know them and they present a truth to you. You should be rejoicing in that truth because love rejoices in truth. And if you're not, then you go back to the thing of is not of God because you're not, you know, like it says in uh, first, first John four, six, that he that does not hear the truth is not of God. So these are things that you need to kind of examine for yourself. I'm examining for myself. I've been corrected. And so I have to readjust and realign myself to that truth. And then first John two, four, it says, keeping God's truth perfects the love of God in us. So if we want the love of God in us. We are not walking in that truth. We're not perfecting the love that God desires for us to walk in. We're denying the love of God. We cannot have agape if we're not walking in the truth. So thanks for streaming with us. And if you have any topics that interest you, questions about anything we've covered or have a prayer request, you can email us at IWFIMH at gmail.com. IWFIMH at gmail.com. And you can reach us or send us a, a message on our Facebook page and called It Was Found in My Heart. Thank you for listening to us. God bless you. Take care. Peace out.